Great. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm speaking to a live audience after more than a year. So uh, if I'm still in like a casual home kind of body language, please excuse me. I'll take some time to uh, get used to that. And the other thing is, uh, the thing about preaching in between Anand's series is <laughs> like most of you, even I'm waiting for the next one, right? So, <laughs> So there's, so there's that as well. But this morning, I believe um, God has something to speak to us. And um, the, I titled the sermon, Growing in Repentance. As a church, we've been looking, uh, we've, we've done, uh, we're doing this book called Isaiah in CBR, and the passage is straight from there. So let me just stay, uh, go straight in. A little girl got saved um, in, in a church, and she applied for uh, the church membership. So she was asked, were you a sinner? So she said, uh, yes. Uh, then she was asked, are you still a sinner? Then she said, yes. Then, then what real change has uh, taken place in your life? She said, the best way I can explain it is, um, before I was a sinner running after sin, now I'm a sinner trying to run away from sin. Right? Uh, it's just... Uh, reiterates the fact that sin is present. I mean, they, you don't need to be a follower of Jesus to say that we are messed up people. Uh, it's, it's there. It, it's, it's not a secret thing anymore. If you look at the world around, uh, forget the world around, we ourselves, if you look within, there are parts of us that we don't like. So sin is there. That is why, as followers of Jesus, repentance becomes such an important tool uh, that Jesus has given us to, to really overcome our sinfulness. Um, if, if, this is, if sin is true, if sin is there, if it's a reality, and repentance is such a big part of our daily walk uh, with Jesus, why is it so hard to repent? When was the last time we found ourselves really, truly, deeply um, grieving over our sinfulness and running to Jesus, our Savior, and saying, hey, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I've run out of all my strength. I've run out of all my willpower to try and uh, get over this, overcome this. But I need you. When was the last time that happened? It's, it's so difficult, right? I mean, repentance doesn't really come uh, as naturally as it should. Why and how does God invite us to repent? That is something we'll be looking at today. And I believe in looking at this, just the invitation of God to repentance, there is a lot for us to grow in our repentance this morning. Um, allow me to set the context for the chapter that we'll be reading from the Bible. Uh, it's from the book of Isaiah, straight the first chapter. And this is part of the Old Testament of the Bible. Um, if this is your first time in a church, this is the part where uh, this, that, that was written before uh, Jesus came and lived on earth. This is happening approximately 700 before Jesus came. And um, Israel, God's chosen nation, was in all kinds of turmoil. I mean, politically, morally, spiritually, they were, they were a crumbling nation. And to this nation... God chooses his prophet, Isaiah, and invites them to repent. We're going we're gonna, to uh, look at what that invitation is 
uh, I, I've requested Cindy to read the passage out for us. It'll come up for us on the screen. Over to you, Cindy. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. The wickedness of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children, have I reared, reared you and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. Oh, sorry. Children, have I reared and brought up, they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense, uh, incense is an abomination to me. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Amen. Thanks, Adi. Let's pray. Uh, Father, this morning, uh, this passage is clearly calling us uh, into repentance. And Holy Spirit, uh, you know for a fact that our hearts are currently not in a natural posture of repentance. So this morning, would you... Uh, would you prepare our hearts to receive this word that you have laid on my heart? Lord, I surrender my own heart. I surrender uh, my own mouth. Uh, I pray that I will speak only that which you have laid on my heart. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will uh, speak to each one of us sitting here right at our points of need this morning. We surrender to your word. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, this is... Can we get the presentation on? This is, this is the framework of the talk this morning. We're going to be looking at three things. Uh, why the invitation to repent? Why is God inviting us to repent? Second thing, what the invitation isn't for. And the third thing is the power of the invitation. The first thing is why the invitation. Second thing is what the invitation isn't for. And the power of the invitation. Let's dive straight in. Why the invitation? As we discussed earlier, don't we know that we are all messed up? Don't we know that we need help? I mean, nobody needs to tell us that. Then why don't we repent as often as we need to? And mind you, this need to is not a religious requirement. This need to is more of our soul's need to repent. Why don't we do that? The passage gives us a simple reason. It says, children have I read up and brought up. This is God speaking, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. 
as you have seen for centuries this is happening about 700 years after god saved israel and for all these years god protected this nation he gave them this promised land they've been unfaithful again and again and god has been forgiving again and again and it it it's not been going better and at this point israel is really crumbling but god was faithful to his covenant all through he says children i have read and brought up but they are rebelling against me this morning if you're sitting in church today you must be thinking hey i know i'm not perfect i know i'm i'm i mean i know i'm messed up but rebellion really i mean i'm here today i've been faithfully coming for the past few weeks i've been serving i mean rebellion is probably a little too strong a word but allow me to help us see how our hearts have responded to this really gracious father heart of god in rebellion if i have not mistaken it's exactly a year today since the lockdown was announced and for the past year with everything around us crumbling health wise economically in every way mental health wise god has seen us through as children he has literally guarded read and brought us this far and last year um all of us everything that we clinged on to our our jobs or our uh, you know our uh, our confidence in our own fitness and health everything gave way everything everything was at risk and the only thing we could cling to was god and and what a beautiful journey it was for all of us as new city as one community we have come together really learned what it means to truly depend on god as though the very breath that we take next depended on him and that's true every safe breath that we took last year he gave it to us we enjoyed all of that now that things have started finally opening up for the past couple of months what has our posture been to god how have we responded to this amazing protection this this uh, faithfulness for the past one year irrespective of how unfaithful we've been god has been faithful for the whole one year how have our hearts responded to god how have we responded to this immense saving grace have we gone back to the busyness of life that we were used to before completely crowding him out of the equation was that close thing we enjoyed with god simply out of the equation just like the dalgona coffee we enjoyed once during the lockdown i tell you how it's been for me the last month and a half has been a lot of changes right personally um, uh, because thanks to covid taro and i got to move to a better home a uh, nicer home so we moved um, you know what uh, new home means new things ikea baby right and all those things and i was i was on top of all these things right i was i i was like from my first day at home i want my internet connection i want my gas connection i don't want to wait for 
sometimes. So I made sure everything, all these processes were in place, all that coordination took place and all of that happened. And just about the same time, we also started gathering physically together. So that meant a lot of new things, new place, new gadgets, new processes. And, and if you have, if you know me even a little, you know that this is my cup of tea. I really enjoy this. I'm all over it, right? And I, I started enjoying each and every day. You, you, you won't even, uh, I was telling the group in the breakout room last week, all these things, I'm also dreaming about them in the night. <laughs> the day we actually met for the first time, that whole night I had a dream of the setup. So it was all in my head. I woke up at 4am because I couldn't sleep further. And the dress rehearsal was already over. All I needed was come here and execute. In all of this, what really happened was God took a back seat. Now, all, of, all throughout the lockdown, my whole sense of purpose, the, the, the reason I woke up, I won't say every day, on most days, was to enjoy Jesus. Jesus was much more in my awareness during the lockdown. But after this thing started picking pace, new home, new church gathering, God took a back seat. And what was really driving me was all these new things. My work, I want to excel. Now, now, don't get me wrong. It, it's, it's not that Jesus doesn't want us to be productive, right? We've been going through this renewal of work series. We are called to be excellent and Jesus enjoys. But my heart wasn't really in the right place. The reason I was doing this was not to glorify God, but to, to see how everyone can praise me. Hey, this is, this is amazing. Great stuff, right? God took a back seat. And this morning, if you're resonating with me, if, if once the, your work started opening up, that whole thing of the previous year of just enjoying and enjoying our time together, if, if that has become, has taken a back seat and work has probably come back and the busyness of, of our life has taken over, probably the gentle father heart of God is calling out to us and he's saying, children, I have read, but now they're rebelling against me. Can you hear that voice of God? This morning, if you're resonating with me, I also want you to look to this aching heart of our father. While all of us might agree that we are broken, let me humbly submit to us that we don't know the extent of our brokenness. Right? That is why we need this invitation. Uh, see how God looks at us. He says, why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But bruises and sores and raw wounds, they are not pressed out and bound up or softened with oil. This is how God looked at Israel. Now, these are, these are not uh, physically unhealthy in any way. They were going to the temple. They were getting proper, well-fed beasts as their sacrifices. So what God is actually talking here is their spiritual state, their soul. When was the last time we looked ourselves, at ourselves like this? Whole head sick, whole heart 
faint from foot to head, no soundness, bruises, sores, raw wounds. I'm pretty sure during the lockdown, when we spend time by ourselves, few of these things have started coming to the surface. When was the last time we looked at ourselves like this? God's invitation to repent is different from man's invitation. Man says, hey, come and see how you hurt me. Apologize and repent. But God invites us also to see how our sin has wounded us. He invites us to see how broken we are. And in his grace, he gives us the healing balm, dresses our wounds, presses with oil and restores us to wholeness. To sum it all up, we're like cancer patients looking for headache cures. God sees the cancer we don't. And this is why we need the invitation. This is why we need the invitation. Second thing, what this invitation isn't for. God says, what to me is a multitude of your sacrifices? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you the trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Your incense is an abomination to me. Such strong language from the aching heart of God. It's interesting to see that the people God is talking about rebellion to are not the people who outrightly rejected him and said, I won't worship. He's talking to the people in the temple. He's talking to people who are bringing the sacrifices. Not second best. Best sacrifices. Well-fed beasts. He's talking to people who are still meeting these religious requirements. Does this sound relatable? The problem was that even though they were bringing all of this, they were coming week after week probably or whatever their frequency was. The heart solely didn't belong to him. While they were offering sacrifices in the temple, their heart wasn't. Their physical bodies were present but their heart wasn't. They were singing all the right songs, saying all the right prayers, but the song of their hearts was different. And God is, he cares about the song of our hearts. He says, all of this is an abomination to me. Friends, here's what the invitation isn't for. Right? Um, Before you think I'm a bad pastor, I'm also going to add a qualifier to this, right? The invitation, please don't hear me wrong, isn't for coming to church more often. The invitation isn't to give more financially or be part of more church gatherings. None of this is wrong. They are all God-instituted healthy rhythms for our spiritual growth. And we ought to grow in them. The problem is, when they become a proxy 
for our real repentance. When we think, hey, I have done this, I think if our hearts are like, I think I'm fine. I've done all of this. We've started to use these things as proxy to our real repentance. That's where the problem is. You see, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were the most regular attendees of the temple. They probably even gave the most to the temple. But their hearts were the furthest from Jesus. The biggest danger we can get into as the world unlocks is to get back to the rhythm of doing church without enjoying Christ. Is to get back to the rhythm of doing church without enjoying Christ. And the passage makes it very clear. God does not delight in our church attendance primarily. God doesn't delight in my serving primarily. God delights when my heart is with him. And from that overflow, I do all of this. Friends, this morning, allow me to ask us a simple question. Are we trying to do Christianity or are we trying to do church without really enjoying Christ for ourselves? It's a really simple question. One of the most important ways in which we enjoy Christ is as our Savior. That is how the Bible primarily speaks about Jesus. He's our Savior. So the question I asked before, when was the last time we found ourselves really in a place of brokenness, in a place of, I can't help myself. I mean, this is too overwhelming for me. I mean, I'm trying, but it's not working. Jesus, apart from you, there's no other way. Could you help me? When was the last time we as followers of Jesus really enjoyed this salvation that Jesus bought for us. Pause and reflect. I'm going to give us a moment. Pause and reflect on what is probably that one broken thing or that one broken area that is desperately in need of saving this morning. Let's not bury that anymore in the busyness of our life. Probably you've seen a tinge of it during the lockdown surfacing. That is a God thing. God made ourselves, made us aware of what it is. Let's not bury it back in the busyness of life. What is that one thing you want to bring today to Jesus? What is that one thing? Now is the time. Probably... It could be something that is big and clear and glaring for everyone's eye. Everyone can see that in us. Or probably it is that one secret thing we've hid in the closet, hoping to God that it will never see the light of the day. Hey, this is real church. This is a happening moment. Christ is here and wanting to do business with our hearts. Can we see what that ugly, broken, messed up thing and bring it to the forefront and say, Jesus, it's here. Because what, what we're about to do next is really powerful. So before we go there, I want us to really be real in this moment. Let's look at the power 
of this invitation. God says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Allow me to unpack this powerful invitation. It helps us if we understand dyes, the color dyes, right? Crimson and scarlet are some of the brightest shades of red. These two shades are quite impossible to be made purely white. I remember when we first got our washing machine, we put our whites, stupid decision. I mean, we were just excited, new washing machine. We put our whites with a couple of reds and it ran all over the whites. And till today, <laughs> they're not white. So you can imagine how difficult it is for an inherently scarlet and crimson cloth to be turned and made into white. But friends, this is God's invitation. Even if your sins are as impossible to wash as scarlet and crimson, I will make it white as snow and wool. Probably the purest forms of white out there. But how does God do that? A couple of years ago, I heard this pastor use this illustration and it really drew my heart to repentance and I want to share that, to, uh, share that with us today. The story is told of a mother and a child who are watching the parade of the Queen of England. Now you know that the Queen of England, her guards are always dressed in red. right? So the mother and the child were watching from uh, afar and they were, the, the child was using a set of binoculars and the mother was just viewing. And after a point, the child is like, why are the queen's security dressed in white today? And the mother's like, no, darling. I mean, they're always dressed in red. So they're dressed in red today. I can see them. She said, no, they're dressed in white today. I can see them. The mother's like, no, they're not. And this goes back and forth. And the mother's like, what are you looking at? And she, took the, she takes the binoculars and looks at them. And when she looks at them, the security are in white. The thing is, they were looking through a red glass binoculars. When you see red through red, you see white. So when Jesus shed his blood and covered us with his sin, covered our sinfulness with his blood, when God looks at us through the blood of Jesus, he sees white as wool, white as snow. It's the only way your sin and mine as crimson and scarlet, can be made pure white. Friends, this morning, God is saying, hey, who are you hiding from? I can see them. Would you just bring it? The darkest, the brightest of red. Just bring it. When Jesus hung on the cross, his physical body was bruised and broken. When we read this, the whole head sick, the whole heart faint, soul to foot, no soundness, bruises and sores, raw wounds. It's talking about our spiritual body. But when Christ went on the cross, when he took our sins, he hung there, open wounds, open sores. 
red. That's the picture we see him. He was punished for our sinfulness. He was punished in our place. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, this invitation is for you as well. Can you imagine that God would step down, literally embody how broken and messed up we feel on the inside? Embody it. Take it upon himself on the cross. He was broken. He was bruised. And he paid for your sin and mine. So that we can experience this life in him. This invitation is for you. This invitation is for you. As followers of Jesus, this invitation is for us. What is that thing that keeps popping up and we keep pushing it down? If the Holy Spirit is working in your heart this morning, one thing that beautifully happens is our repentance gains power in community. So as in when you feel comfortable, as in when you feel the Holy Spirit leading you, would you mind sharing with some friend that you trust, that you know will pray with you? Would you take that step? God is inviting, come, let us settle this. No matter how bad it is, I will wash them pure as snow. Allow me to pray even as I close. Father, we see your aching heart. We see that every time, every time that I've shut you out, every moment that I've shut you out in pursuit of my own glory at work or at home, I'm rebelling against you. Lord, you have reared me. You have brought me this far. You have brought us this far. Forgive us for rebelling. Lord, this morning, we bring our deepest and darkest of sins. Would you wash them clean with the blood of Jesus? We surrender, Lord. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us. Help us to enjoy the joy that is there in real repentance. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.